You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Hello, good evening, good night, goodbye, hello. What? What? You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, Tasmania, Australia and probably the world's Bestest live action radio show all about tabletop gaming, those things that you do on, around, under, over, and sometimes even through a table. It's a Dice Man Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hello, I'm Garth. I'm joined as ever by Leon and Mark. Mm -hmm. And Mark, you are going to start us off this week in a somewhat different way than every other show. That's right, because um, this is going to be our last live in the studio episode, believe it or not. Just our schedules are just all over the place. We've got so much happening that we can't be tied down. No radio station can hold us back. That's right. So this will be our last live-to-air episode. But thanks to the good people at Edge Radio, we will be providing some pre-recorded content that they'll scatter throughout the week, no doubt. I'm not sure when, but you just have to keep your eyes and ears open on the schedule, perhaps. Yeah, so I think it's a really exciting move, actually, Mm. because we love doing live-to-air content. The fact that we can prepare so much, but then it is all just rolling the dice and see what actually happens on every particular show is really exciting, and that's going to stay the same. We are going to be doing live recordings for the podcast that are not edited within an inch of their lives. They are going to be continually full of mistakes. Mm, They're going to be, hopefully... Uh, not full of Leon accidentally swearing, which is what he always does on every single show. Hey, still undefeated in this studio, thank you very much, <laughs> compared to you two and some of the things I had to edit out back in the day. But yes, no, the fact that we get to do this is amazing, and it's all come down to our listeners and our supporters over the years that have helped us get our hand on stuff that basically we have a Dice Men studio of our own now. It mm. yeah. might basically be Garth's gaming room that we sometimes have a board game on his table sometimes we have all this recording equipment but either way it's Dice Man's studio as far as I'm concerned and the content is going to keep rolling yeah and look just before we throw to a song and get to our actual content we do need to say a massive thanks to the support that Edge Radio has shown us for years and years and years and years and years yep. obviously you know Mark you started this with Trent way back in 1854 or That's whatever right. when you were sending out telex to, to listeners pigeons wasn't it pigeons yes uh, and then i came along and then mark decided to get stuffed after after a little while because he was a bit grumpy no. um leon you joined us and you've never been grumpy and then we came back and That's everything was wonderful an utter lie <laughs> and and then now while we're leaving the live studio for edge we're not finishing up we are going to be creating content just as regularly Stronger and, never, and garth say. just before you you butcher history too much more I do have planned a bit of a rundown of where we've been, who's been in the studio, who's not been in the studio, when it all happened for the last sort of five or ten minutes of the show. But for the final time in this little room in this, say, Hobart-based university, Garth, 
What are we actually talking about on this show? Yeah, so we are talking about almost one big type of game tonight. Yes. Because our very, very good sponsors have sent us a, a game. So this one was very generously provided by Good Games, mm. which is wonderful. So we are talking about the spiritual successor to Battlestar Galactica. But this one's in a Cthulhu world. So we're talking Unfathomable, Ooh. which is... Well, you better listen in to see what we think of it. It reminds me a bit of Leon, unfathomable, because it's full of ship. Hey! I get it, because it's not quite a swear, but it's still implied that yeah. you're a bad person. Anyway, after that, we will also be talking about a an upcoming Aussie game yeah. that may or may not share a couple of similarities with Unfathomable. Ooh. And yes, Mark, we will finish up the show with a little homage to the Dice Men Cometh and the relationship um, that we have had with Edge and the, the little stories that we've been telling over the, the last several years. But so funnily th- enough, we will probably run out of time and not even get to talk about that. <laughs> and we can talk about that on the next episode. But who knows? We shall soon see. Absolutely. So we'd better quickly throw to a song so we can come back and talk to you about games. You with the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 F. FM, and here is that song. Hi, I'm Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games, and you are listening to the Dice Men Cometh podcast. Oh, there we have it. You're with Edge Radio 99.3 FM. It's the Dice Men Cometh, and that was... Disprays an esky with goodbye. Oh, that's appropriate. It is. I get it. I understand the reference. Right. And now, Garth, <laughs> we talked about this game that was full of ship before. Yes. Uh, one very big ship. Uh, what is it and why do we care? Well, the ship is the SS Atlantica. So that's one thing that we really do care about. Mm. But before we do that, we do need to say a big thanks to Good Games Australia yeah. for sending us this review copy. Um, it is a game that is massive and there's a lot in it and we'll talk about that. But if you do want to grab your hands on a copy of it, make sure to go to the Good Games website. They've got an online shop. You can buy your copy of Unfathomable there. Mm. And it is quite a, it's a, quite a very recent release, isn't it? Well, it is. And it's actually also for what you get a really good value. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's on around that $100 mark, which for a game that has minis, mm. uh, lots of cards, well, lots of cards. Uh, yes, uh, it's absolutely good value. So let's go and talk about what an Unfathomable is and whether or not it is something that the Dice Men like. So the year is 1913. The steamship SS Atlantica is only two days out from the port in its voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. Its unsuspecting passengers fully anticipated a calm journey to Boston, Massachusetts, with nothing out of the ordinary to look forward to. However, strange nightmares plague the minds of the people aboard the ship every night. Rumours circulate of dark shapes following closely behind the ship just beneath the waves. And tensions rise when the body is discovered in the ship's chapel. Signs of a strange ritual littered around the corpse. Lurking within the depths of the Atlantic Ocean are a swarm of vicious, unspeakable horrors. The Deep Ones, led by Mother Hydra and Father Dagon. For reasons unknown, they have set their sights on the Atlantica and their minions, taking the form of human Deep One hybrids, have infiltrated the steamship to help sink it from within. In. So there is the setting, the tone, the theme, and everything you need to know as you approach 
and board the unfathomable ship. Now, Mark, how historically accurate is that to what actually happened? <laughs> As well, an old one. Well, well Leon, yes. I assumed you were. I you would have been probably 1913, like it was yesterday. You would have been the supervisor back then, I reckon, surely. <laughs> First mate. Yes, of course. <laughs> so uh, it never gets tired, unlike me. Exactly. <laughs> so for. Long-time listeners of The Dice Men Cometh and for established board gamers, Unfathomable is the reskin, the re-theme of a classic in our hobby called Battlestar Galactica. Now, for whatever reason, publishing rights, something else, Battlestar Galactica isn't reprinted. The fact that the actual IP of Battlestar Galactica wasn't relevant even when the game originally came out, <laughs> let alone a decade later. So, but Cthulhu, always relevant. Well, I guess also, unlike, say, something like Star Wars, when you've had Star Wars things released from 1977 till now, Battlestar Galactica, yes, you had your original series back in the 70s. Yep. Then you had that uh, the new series in the 2000s. Early 2000s, was it? Ish. Um, And a couple of follow-ups very briefly after, but really nothing since maybe, what, 2007, 2008, something like that, Yeah, pretty much. I think the game came out, it would have been after the show had ended. Yeah. And the last trickle. People are still big fans of it. There's still still a series that is talked about in sci-fi and nerdy circles to this day. But But I I guess there is a cohort of younger gamers that... They would see the game and they would think, "Was that? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a spaceship and stuff, but yeah, but it, the theme really means nothing to them." Yeah, but the reality is they can't do that because you cannot get copies of this uh, game. Yes, there is that. So the the nature of Battlestar Galactica is that it is one of those Grail games for a lot of board gamers now because you can't go to in your, into your board game store and pick it up on the second hand market. You'll be lucky to come back with any change from two to three hundred dollars potentially if you're going to get the game plus an expansion yeah and you can sell it even though you've got some dings in the box and and all that kind of thing because people just really really want this game i don't know whether it's because the game is that good or if it's just because so many of us are completionists Mm. and i want it and i want it and i want it but you can now get a version of it but in the cthulhu realm of unfathomable Mm. So this game, for those who are uninitiated in this style of game, is a, is a game of hidden loyalties. It's intrigue, there's paranoia, it plays from three to six people. Some people are going to be the humans and all they want to do is to see this SS Atlantica get to port in Boston. Some people will be hybrids and will be absolutely being conniving and devious and downright disastrous, really, in terms of what they're trying to do to this ship. And potentially there might even be some cultists on board. And cultists are a little bit different again because the uh, the hybrids, they just want to see the world burn. They just want to see the ship sink, the ship run out of supplies, the old ones take over the ship and, and basically run wild. Whereas the cultists, they still want to get to their destination because they need to spread the word. And they need to swim. Yeah, yeah. but they, they want bad things to happen right at the end. Mm. Right at the very, very end. So this game is big. The box is big. The minis are big. You will get a Mother Hydra and a Father Dagon mini, and they must be approaching, what, 10, 
13, 14 centimetres yeah. tall yes, and probably small. just as wide. You get two of those and if you are a miniatures painter, I reckon you'd have a great time with these. And, I mean, not only are they that big, but because they're, they're massive creatures in that you really only get like the waist up in that huge size. So That's yeah, right. They, and I mean, they, really, they make a big impression. Yeah, and, and for anyone who is really interested, go to the Board Game Geek page. The art that you see for some of the people who have, have painted these is spectacular. Mm. But similarly so, people have created 3D board versions of the ships. Oh, and it, oh, just, wow. it just looks absolutely outstanding. Yep. So I, I strongly recommend that you do go and take a look if that kind of stuff interests you. Awesome. So anyway... Um, this game is going to test players and you want to play it with people that you are more than comfortable accusing of being disastrous traitors who want nothing to do with the survival of the human race and want to see the ship burn to the ground, <laughs> which is hard to do because it's At sailing. sea, yes. So you go through setup, you do all your things and basically everyone is going to get uh, their own character and each of the characters have certain strengths and certain weaknesses and the way that strengths and weaknesses are going to be determined are through the cards that you'll have an access to because there are half a dozen different types of, of cards that you'll be able to draw and the bottom of each character card says, you know, at the start of your turn you're going to draw a particular type of card. There might be law cards, there might be strength cards, there might be mind cards, whatever it is. You're going to be drawing different cards and each of those cards um, has a number typically between one and five on them, which dictate how strong or how powerful they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And they also have some actions that you can potentially do. Are you saying these cards are multi-purpose, Garth? I Garth? am. Wow. Now, that <laughs> uh, that is a new exciting thing, I must say. <laughs> so once everyone's chosen their particular character um, attributes, their character, they've got the stand there, they've got all the bits and pieces, um, you're also going to have uh, two other roles assigned, which will be the role of captain, or you'll be the um, the person who will be the keeper of the tome. Mm. Now, in terms of the story, as I said at the introduction, there's a murder on, on the ship. Someone's dead. That was the original keeper of the tome. And some other player... It's basically the card tells you that if some player has been assigned the captain character, they're going to be the captain of the ship. And if someone has been assigned to this person, they're going to be the keeper of the tome. If that character's not into the in, in the game, you just go down and yeah, the list. There's a hierarchy. Yeah. So you, you're going to do that. You're going to set up. You're going to start in certain parts of the ship. The way the game is actually going to work is relatively straightforward. On each turn, you're going to be doing four things. You're going to receive your skills, which is to draw the cards out of the, the collective decks to add to your hand. Which you will desperately need after a whole round mm. of that table. Oh, yeah. You're then going to play actions, and each player gets to do two actions on their turn. You're then going to draw a Mythos card, and we will talk about Mythos cards because they are the story. They are the, the challenges that this particular ship is going to set you. And then, as part of that, the monsters are going to move, bad things are going to happen, and you'll try and offset the nature of the badness. Uh, then you'll discard, you'll rinse and repeat, and around and around and around you go. Now, the game mechanically is actually quite simple. I've explained the, the ins and outs and that mm. this is how it goes, but it's all about the nuances that you find within your particular turn. Because for me as a particular character, I might only have access to, to one or two different styles of cards and that's going to limit the options that I'm going to be able to, to have. So on my turn, I'll receive my cards, I'll look at them and I'll go, oh, they don't really help out with what I want to do this particular round, but that's okay, Leon. Because the cards are multi-purpose. Yeah. So I'll do my two actions. The actions are moving. 
And there are three types of spaces within this game. One is the internal spaces of the ships. The second one is the deck spaces on the outside of the ship. And the third spaces are the water spaces, which surprisingly people can't go into. <laughs> yes. But that is the realm of the old ones. And that is where they will spawn before going up onto the decks and then going into the side of the ship and then causing havoc. Do you reckon if an expansion comes out for this game, they're throwing in a 1913 scuba diver that can go out into the water and just start popping deep ones? Oh, that'd be pretty good. That would be cool. Yeah. Mark, you did that back in the day. How was that? (laughs) Well, I remember putting that big steel thing on my head. It was very claustrophobic, yes. Yes. So... Moving is quite simple. You can move from wherever the hell you are to any other ship space, internal or external. That's one of your actions. You just do it. The other things you can do are rescue passengers. Now, passengers are very thematically um, looking at the, at the board as tokens. It just It's a square token. And it has yeah. sort of some abstracted picture of a, a passenger on it. But passengers, and I guess more to the point, souls are one of the four main commodities in this particular game. There are, um, there's fuel that you need to keep a hold of. There is rations that you need to keep a hold of. There are the passengers and there's also the sanity. And each of these tracks starts at eight. And if any of them goes down to zero, (laughs) game's lost. Yeah, because this game is played over all the turns, obviously, the characters are taking. But it's over, like, you know, weeks of this journey because back in those days, it took a bit of time to get Mm. to the places. So it's just one bad thing happening after another to these poor people. So it's not just one night where horrors attack. No, 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 no. This is happening nearly every day to these poor folks. So by going and rescuing a passenger, it means there's a a passenger token somewhere on the ship. You go there, you flip it over. Sorry, you do not flip it over. No. You just take it off the board, put it away. But if for some reason the bad guys got to it and did a whole eating of these innocent people, then you would flip it over and find, oh, these were the people that were carrying the fuel rations we needed for the engine room, and now that's gone overboard, and a whole bunch of bad things happened. Correct. So you want to rescue passengers, you don't want them out there just left to be eaten by the bad things. New. Speaking of bad things, you can attack them. Yeah. You can just go in and go smash, 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 smash. And that is done like so many games. You roll a die. If you get above a particular score, it's a D8 that you're rolling. If you get four or above, you've killed an old one. Congratulations. Go and stick its head on the pool room wall. Yeah. Uh, that's good. You need to do that. You need to be killing things. You can only ever kill one per action. So you've only got two actions to do um, each particular turn. Use them wisely. But you've got plenty of items and plenty of different things that can help you do multi-kills, mm, which yes. is just fun for the whole family. Well, that's that's true, because one of the other things you can do is use one of your action abilities. Leon, multi-purpose yeah. cards. Yeah. So a lot of these cards have actions that you can use, and you can go, I'm playing this card for this particular ability, which may allow me to roll dice and do extra damage it might be allow me to um, attack from an adjacent space it might allow me to raise a uh, one particular track it might allow me to find a fuel canister which allows fuel to go up or it might allow me to eat extra food which means i'm strong and therefore i can draw some strength cards it allows you to do whatever it is that you want but those actions sometimes are the only way that you will get access to cards that you would otherwise not be able to access Mm -hmm. because if i've only got two different types of skills on my character sheet I can't get access to these other ones. Um, If you're on the same space as another human player, everyone starts off as human. Um, You can trade items between each other. You can do those things as well. So the actions that you're going to be doing are relatively straightforward. And I do have to commend Fantasy Flight, the designers of this game, for producing really useful player aids. You know, yes, Leon, they are double-sided. 
just live with it. It's however, <laughs> I've gotten over it because they all are these days. However, the good thing is on one of the sides, it has a little version of the ship. It highlights what each of the internal spaces of the ship's actions are because that's yep. another thing that you can do is you can trigger one of the actions of the rooms. And that, again, may allow you to spend fuel to get food or do something to do something. It just gives you other actions that you'll be doing, and that is crucial in this game. Yeah, you could go to the engine room and push it a bit harder and get that ship moving a bit faster to Boston, which is what we probably should have done. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. What, you're saying we didn't get to Boston? Spoiler alert. No. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> So before we get to what the mythos phase is, um, should go back to the start and just tell you that at the start of this game, a la Battlestar Galactica, each player is going to be secretly dealt a roll card, I guess. Um, at the start of the game, everyone's going to be assigned a card. It'll either be a human card or a hybrid card or a cultist card. And again, exactly the same. I reckon they cut and pasted the rules from BSG. You have to look at your card for 30 seconds. You cannot look at any other player. You cannot look for any other sort of um, emotions on, on your fellow competitors' faces. You are 100% solely focused on your card. Even though if your card says human, it says human. human. Yeah. You want the ship to get to where it is. So, But you need to look at it for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And the reason for that is this game is all about the knowing or the not knowing about... Leon, are you a human? Mark? How hybrid-y do you feel today? Yes. Uh, on a scale I, of hybrid to cultist. Yeah, I think I, I he's plugged a, in on the way here. I think he's an absolute cultist. <laughs> I reckon. So all of the game has this, this tension of, I'm doing actions because I'm a human. I want the ship to get there. But all you other players, why are you doing less than mm. optimal moves? Because mm. you're doing a move that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely a human. So... We're all doing these turns. We're all accusing each other of being hybrids and being cultists and all that. And then we get to this mythos phase, which happens at the end of each player's turn. You'll flip over one of the, the mythos cards, of which there is a very large deck. Mm, yeah. And you will read it and you will say, this thing happens and this thing is almost always going to be bad. Yeah. Now, in a lot of these type of fantasy flight, um, Call of Cthulhu type games, they always have the equivalent of some sort of mythos event or storytelling things. These are, for me, for my money, the most important part of these style of yes. games. Because when you get your character, you don't necessarily have to read the entire paragraph on the back to the entire table of like your back story and the stuff. But you probably read it to yourself and give everybody the cliff notes to kind of half-arsely, you know, role-play the character for a bit more fun. And these mythos things tell you about the crazy actions that are going to happen throughout the days. But they're really important to get into the to the swing and enjoyment of this game. Yeah. I know, growing up as myself, a person that played like you know big Leon grew up <sighs> as himself, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as like these big hundred hour role playing games like your Final Fantasy and stuff. Some yeah. people would play them and like skip the cutscenes and all the dialogue, which is just mind numbing to me. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that you do not want to do in this game. You could just look at the card and go, okay, test this. Did you fail? Did you pass? This is what happens. No, you want to read that flavor text and get really into the spirit of yeah, it. It's where the story is created. Yeah. And if you're playing this game and you don't like games with story, you probably should find another game yet yeah exactly so for example in the rules one of the cards is flooding compartment a passenger compartment is filling with water you must act quickly to evacuate its occupants or food rationing with the ship in the midst of a crisis rationing would be wise but unpopular 
tough choices such as these are part of a captain's responsibility to the mm. ship. So you flip it over, you read the text, and then you're going to do a thing. The thing's going to depend on what card you've you flipped over. It might be that the current player has to choose of two options. It might be that a particular character assigned has to choose. It might be the captain decides or the mm. keeper of the tome. Or it may be that you have to try and essentially pass a, a, a test. A skill test. Now, it's going to give you a number. to Say this is the number that you need to hit. It's then going to show you some symbols, and the symbols relate to the types of cards that each character is able to draw from their skill pile. Each player will then, starting in order, place as many cards as they wish to face down into the one pile. They're saying, yeah, I'm putting in a lot of these cards to support this because I really want this to get through. It'll go around once. You'll then draw a couple of cards from, um, let's just call it the Trader, the Secret, the Crazy deck. It just It's basically just a combination of the other five decks. So it's a complete hodgepodge. You do not know what's going to be in there. Just to throw a little bit of confusion mm. in, um, you'll shuffle those cards up so you don't know who placed in what and you'll turn them over. Every card that matches the symbol that you want, might be strength, might be brain, might be law, they count as positives. Everyone that is not of those symbols are negatives. You quite simply add up the positive minus the negative, whatever your total score is, is the number. But Garth, we were trying to test strength in this and I noticed that there's, you know, there's a mind card in here and there's a book card in here, but there's also another card in here that you seem to have a lot of. There's multiples of them in there, and you put in a whole handful of... <laughs> what's going on here, mate? Well, I, I didn't put those in because I know that my, that Mark, on his turn, he went to that room that allowed him to draw cards from that particular deck. Oh. Don't you remember him do that? Mark! I can't believe. And this is where all of the table talk is. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can excuse that at least two cards might not be right because they're coming in from the other deck that no one had anything to do with. But yeah, as but soon as there's a third one in there, which there will be... And a fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh. <laughs> and then we know that, yes, Mark is the cultist and yes, Leon is the hybrid. And I'm the human and I'm trying my best, but I'm trying it against these uncrazy, uneven odds. So once you do that, you'll either pass or you fail that particular mythos text, and then more bad things will happen because uh, monsters will do an activation. Yeah. And monsters will monster. And Mother Hydra, she does bad stuff. Father Dagon, he basically flings little old ones or deep ones um, from <laughs> yes. the side of the ship. All the deep ones will activate, they'll all move, they'll, they'll attack, and they'll start damaging the ship, yep. which is one of the losing conditions, which is basically you win if you get to Boston full stop and the ship is alive and well, you lose if uh, old ones take over the ship, old ones damage the ship. Um, there are no more old ones that you can place on the ship or one of the tracks that you're, you're going down goes to zero. Just one of those tracks. Mm. All those tracks you've got to keep a hold of because just one of them goes down to zero. It's, it's end of days. Yep. Now, this game will end because uh, there is a track about the travel side of things, which you, you, you'll go along quite, quite often. The game will end as soon as there is at least 12 points of travel. And then you do the travel track one more time. And as soon as you get there, you've got to Boston. All of that is great. However, on the travel track, once you've got at least six points of distance, signifying the halfway mark, that's when you're going to take those uh, those uh, those loyalty cards again, shuffle them up and give another one mm. to each player. So those of you who may have been human may now draw a hybrid or a cultist card and your alliance has changed completely. So even though you were for us at the start, you are now absolutely against us. You want the ship to crumble and burn and all of your actions become even more suspicious but it's lots of fun it is lots of fun to sink the ship i don't know i don't know you all suffer <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, so the oldest of old ones did <laughs> one of the most annoying actions that is available to any player in a game of Unfathomable, which is to reveal themselves to be a hybrid. So, Mark, it was what, maybe maybe two-thirds, three-quarters of the way yep. through the game. Yep. Uh, you'd been biding your time. You'd been throwing accusations left, right, and centre. Well, he, been... w- he was a good I, guy. I, I, was, I was human for the first half yeah, of the game. Yeah, but you were throwing accusations left, right, and centre anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he goes, I reveal! And he was he was it absolutely... It was me all the time, you silly kids. Exactly. It was a cultist, and Mark then proceeded to go around damaging the ship beyond repair mm-hmm. with the help of his trusty hybrid sidekick, old man Carl. <laughs> Who was an evil from the get-go. Yes. She's yes. not very good at it. <laughs> no, he, he was threw us all off suspicion by being very helpful That's <laughs> right. most of the time. So this game, it just it is like a... Stupid to say, a very new version of, of Battlestar Galactica. The similarities are there in the designers. It's there in the uh, in the game style. Uh, obviously, a lot of people know and love the Lovecraftian environment. And they love Cthulhu and, and this kind of theme. So, understandably, they've made a choice fantasy flight to go down this path. Yeah. They, they have they have a lot of games in this genre, and this one fits in really nicely. I think it makes sense because if they tried to put generic uh, sci-fi like original theme on it mm. or since it's fantasy fight they could have had put it in the, the Twilight Impo- Imperium universe yeah. which may be the only way they could have got away with it because if they tried to put like a new unique sci-fi theme on it people would have just went come on now yeah. this is BSG we know what it is so yes. TI might have got away with it so it was either that or Cthulhu really because I don't know if they have Star Wars anymore? I can't even. Well, they had it for miniature games. Yeah, they can do. They can still do Star Wars board and card games. They can't do minis anymore. Mm. Yeah, okay. So, yes. but look, they weren't the going to call is, it Star Battle. No, Guitar. The thing is, is they've got lots of art for Cthulhu. They've got lots of characters made up for Cthulhu. It's all the symbols are the same that are in your Elder Signs, your Eldritch Horror, your Arkham Horror. It's all the stuff that we know and recognize. So, at the end of the day, if you've got Battlestar Galactica. You don't need this, but if you haven't, this is a great addition. If you like these hidden trader games, and this is as opposed to say uh, like a coup or a love letter, this is you know a meaty, meaty, meaty hidden trader game. Yeah, and you need to be able to leave it at the table at the end. Yeah, yeah. Because you know you are going to be surrounded yourself with people who are looking you in the eyes and absolutely lying to you. And you may be doing exactly the same thing. And that's the fun. Yeah. Yeah. And much like BSG was in the past, you need to understand when it comes to this game that it is, it's very, very luck heavy in a lot of different aspects, but it's also very, very chaotic in that certain cards could come out in a certain fashion that could annihilate you (laughs) so quickly. Or in another game, they could come out not at all and Mm. it could be completely different. You have to be... You have to know that going in. So if someone out there is, you know, more into your Euro-style games and you think, oh, I want to venture further into these more thematic-style games, maybe this isn't the easiest one to jump straight into because it's just... It is as chaotic and luck-based as any of these games. 
but it makes it up for it in the experience and the story and the yeah, tension absolutely. and, and the, the fun you'll have around the table. And, and look, the great thing about the Mythos cards is that there are so many of them. We must have been lucky to go through a third to a half of the deck at most. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, this game is is long. We were playing it for approaching four hours. We stopped, we chatted, we were having some food and drinks and all and of that stuff, which is great. And there was six of us, a full contingent. Absolutely, which is which is exactly how I think these kind of games should be played, similar yes. to, to June, for example. So I really had a great time. I am very happy to sit down and play it again. I don't own Battlestar Galactica, so this is this is going to have to keep me going mm. um, because it fills that niche really nicely. Yeah. And it's it's great to have this kind of game available and out there for the public to buy again. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of halfway in the middle, even though this is kind of theme is my bag because I really enjoyed. We had a great time, but anytime we've got six of our best mates around the table, we're going to have a good time, even if the game is rubbish. Mm. So. We did enjoy it. My concern is the replayability of this game, is that how different... Obviously, there'll be different traders each time and kind of different events might happening. But in terms of what you're actually doing, it is all relatively similar most of the time. And I wonder about that through different playthroughs, as well as... Uh, we played on not the small... The, the novice difficulty. We went straight into kind of a more an advanced version. And when these guys revealed that we were having, you know, a tough time really the whole time, we were never really happy with everything. Things were slowly getting chipped away. But once these boys revealed themselves, we just got annihilated so quickly. I know they had some powerful cards up their sleeve to do that. But I do kind of worry that if somebody is a um, a cultist or an old one from the get-go, they could nearly reveal themselves very quickly and just start causing trouble very quickly, and it could all go downhill. So I'm a bit worried about the balance there, but I'm sure there's people on BGG that have played this a dozen times now that will tell me completely differently, and I'm happy to hear that. So, And no doubt, as Fantasy Flight I want to do, there's going to be a truckload of great expansions which will change things like the balance, which will add new characters, yep. add who knows what, but just like they did with Battlestar Galactica, there was a heap of expansions created... Not a completely different game, but certainly made really changed it up in lots of different ways. Yeah, because I do think one of the big things with Battlestar is the option to be piloting, and where you're actually leaving your your ship and you're going out and facing the. Yes. You know, in that case, it was going to base stars and what have you. But as you say, Leon, you can't leave the ship. Yeah. So having those characters who may be able to go out in in diving bells or in scubas or in little rowboats or what have you, and, and take the fight to the deep ones, right. Coast Guard that's come to help. That'd be kind of cool. Who knows? They're, 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 it's infinite possibilities, as with all of their games. So anyway, I had a really great time. I, I need to say again, thanks to Good Games for providing that review copy. It was absolutely wonderful. Make sure you go and buy it from them because I don't think you will regret it if this game is sounds like it's in your wheelhouse. So anyway, that was unfathomable. We are the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We've got to throw to a song and then come back with more. Garth, yes. here we are uh, driving along to our latest game night. And you know what I love to do when I drive around? 
well, I do remember the last time you drove and almost... Get out of the way! That sounds Sorry. right. You almost killed us, remember? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it's probably because I was slightly distracted. Because mm. I was listening to a podcast. I like to listen to podcasts when I'm driving. Yep. It takes my mind off my day at work. It lets me catch up with politics or board games or all sorts of things. Well, the funny thing is, I was actually listening to a podcast on my walk into work, um, which I was doing earlier. Yeah. And I found out that there are TV actors who get paid in excess of $20 million a year. What? And look, all they're doing is creating little half-hour episodes once a week. Now, I happen to know that we do a lot more work than half an hour a week. Yeah, and look, I know myself. I support a couple of podcasts because I really believe in what they're doing. And as you said, it's greatly appreciated by the creators of those podcasts, Look, that's for sure. We'll even take Monopoly money. Just don't tell Lee on that. <laughs> so jump onto Patreon. Check out the Dice Men Cometh. We'd love your support. It's all greatly appreciated. We put the resources back into the show, helping us to travel to game conventions so we can interview people and you can hear all the cons that you're missing out on, and maybe you'll get to go there later. I know, doesn't it's, that sound amazing? It sounds worthwhile. Get out of the way, you idiot, young person! There we go. That was Billy Rafferty, a Tassie act there with her song Bye on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. So bye, Billy. And, of course, it's, as we said, it's our, our goodbye from the live Edge Radio studio. But we'll still be around. But, Leon. Hello. That wasn't a goodbye. That was a hello. Oh, sorry. And you're going to tell us about another game, an Aussie-designed game. Damn right I am. Do it. So we were very lucky to be sent a pre-Kickstarter copy Ooh. of a game by the name of Patriot. And it was sent by Anthony at Wild Robot Games, who, as you said, are Australian. They are. And you can find them on all the socials at Wild Robot Games. And on the back of the rule book I have right in front of me, there's even QR codes to all their socials. Wow. Which is a lovely idea that I'm sure many other designers will probably steal now that I've put that out there <laughs> into the ether. The reason we're talking about Patriot, um, which we played recently, was because it, it shares a lot of DNA with Battlestar Galactica and Unfathomable. They're very, very similar in style type of games. But there is differences, mainly difference being that the theme. The theme is pretty much a modern day theme, maybe slightly futuristic, in the fact that there's troops that get sent out and they're in the form of big mechs. Yeah, like is, Robocop style Which troops. is kind of cool. So what you're trying to do in this game is that one of you is going to be the president. They're hey. going to be El Presidente of a country that's has seen better days <laughs> and leading up to, you know, them leading up to an election and whatnot. And so one of you is going to be the president. Now, that person doesn't have any secret hidden alliances. They're just the president. They're doing presidenty things. <laughs> Whereas everybody else on the table is either going to be somebody that's... Their entire job is going to be protect the president, get the president through this game, make sure everything else is going good, none of these tracks go down because you can lose the game that way, you know, by having, like, dissent in the town and all that kind of craziness. But we've got to protect the president. Someone else's job is, I want to protect the president, but I've got some stuff to do over here as well, which <laughs> might make me look a little bit dodgy, but trust me, I want to protect the president. <laughs> so that's just for fun. And then, you wouldn't believe it, someone else on the table, 
Flat out wants to kill the president. Correct. Who would have thunk? They are a bad, bad person that wants to do some assassination of the president. So you've got to stop that from happening. Mm. And the game, as you play through it, you do different things like you'll go to the treasury, which is where you'll collectively put in a whole pool of money that everyone will be able to use on their future turns to be able to do different cool things. Yeah, you get to raise the tax level. Yeah. Yeah. Tax. Yeah. You'll be able to go to um, the surveillance center where you can launch beacons into the sky, which gives you extra actions, which is quite cool you can go to the research laboratory where you can you know do new sciences and new technologies for your country and you know ways to stop them <laughs> from from overthrowing your government who are just trying their best or you can go to the war room and send out those big powerful mechs you know these rioters or you know peaceful protesters if you want to call them that whatever <laughs> they need to be stomped out so that's what we're going to literally do. stomped out yes so that's what you're going to do but another key difference from those other games that i mentioned before is that there is a event in the middle of the in the in the middle of the board that goes throughout the seven rounds of this game very similar we found to uh, the dead of winter mechanic where mm. there's something that everyone kind of has to chip in through on their turn to try and hopefully solve because otherwise you're going to cop some negative stuff at the end of the round well exactly right so you know thematically there are five days going throughout the course of this game and the center has five face down letters each letter is a letter from the would-be assassin yeah. to the president with a series of demands, saying, this is what you've got to do. If you don't do that, then bad stuff is going to happen. Yeah. And you need to try and collectively pass that particular thing by the end of a round, and a round is every person having a go. Yeah, but much like as well as the other games that you'll have your round where you have all your action, you have action points that you can spend, and there'll be various different ways with cards that you wouldn't believe it, multiple users what? to them. That you could possibly get some more actions to do various different things because every place you go to, there are different locations on those four different things I mentioned earlier and they have different actions you can attribute to with the action points. And then after you do that, you're going to have another event. Yes. And this event is very similar in that you could be the president that has to make a decision. It could be you. There could be a vote. Lots of different things that can happen. But the theme, I think, is a very cool idea. Yeah. There's not many games that are set kind of in this kind of chaotic type of style. And it just fits. With- oh, look, it's very, it's very of the moment. I think, you know, yeah. a lot of people and a lot of countries and a lot <laughs> yes, of opinions yes. are very fractured and divided. And this is exactly where this game is is tying it in. So look, it's a it's a bloody bleak and dark um, country that we're in. Is it Carmonia? Carmonia I think yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's it's dark and it's gritty and yeah, the, the president has a pretty tough job trying to keep this country going full forward. But the brief cards, the ones you're mentioning there, yeah. again, there is a massive thick deck of those. We didn't scratch the surface yeah. on those those cards. And again they have really good story on them. You want to be reading those to get an idea of what it is that you're doing, not because it's just progressing the game, but because you want to be invested in this. You're, you're already invested in your character because your character might be the president or it might be the president's wife or it might be the bodyguard or it might be the NSA director or it might be any other character mm. who each has their own little strengths and weaknesses. And yes, they use action points, which is a good way to, to make sure that everyone is staying engaged. But the, the theme of this one's really gritty. I, I really like it. Yeah, and you've got that real balancing act where if you don't get enough mechs, troops out on the board, then that leaves spots for the peaceful protesters. To put, <laughs> they're put rioters, their, Mark. Yeah, yeah, they're the, rioters. The, the rioters to... Are you to, trying to kill the president? 
no, no, no. Because there's a space you can go to yeah. where you can actually call for an assassination. Yeah. And you can call for assassination of another player on the table. Yeah. But don't worry, there's no player elimination. There's not out. There's ways around it. But you can also <laughs> call for an assassination of the president. For crying out loud. Yeah. I, I, the other thing, or one other thing, I did like in this game was the science. Yep. Yeah. We had the ability to, to uh, create, so you've got to save up your science points, which is one action, and then you spend your science points to create inventions from this deck of inventions, which might help just me, which might help all the players, which might do some wild and crazy things. And you never, there'll be one face up that you can pick, but you always get to take two, so you never quite know what you're going to get. Although, of course, we know... Science experiments can go wrong and you might flip a card that is all bad stuff. Yeah, and like any good game, all the different characters have all different abilities. They have strengths. They also have weaknesses, which I think is quite cool. Uh, and they have one-off super abilities that you can use once per game. Like when I was the president, I get to flat out kill someone. <laughs> and what did they do, Gar? You killed me. I killed you. Mm. And you were... Trying to kill the president. Trying to kill me. <laughs> so we did a win. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a great. Yeah, so this game, like I said, from uh, Wild Robot Games, give them a check out on the socials, is looking to come to Kickstarter about January-ish, wasn't it? I honestly don't know um, yeah. because I can't remember. But the point is, yeah. I want to do a, a really good shout out to, to Anthony and the whole team at, at Wild Robot. And the reason for that is we've talked a lot about the Australian gaming scene. Yes. You know, and the games that come out of Australia. Now... With the exception of someone like Martin Wallace, Australia's own Martin Wallace. Yes, of course. And Shem Phillips as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Australia doesn't really have many big box game designers. No. You know, we've, we've got, obviously, Phil Walker-Harding, who has designed a lot of games, but none of his games I would consider to be particularly heavy. Mm. Um, you've got you know, Grail Games, and obviously there was Rule and Make, um, you know, a few years back. But Alex Winter kicking out a few kind of mid-level yeah. kind of... And, and, you know, Matt Dunstan, who's run away to Europe and yeah. can, you know, keep sending back things from there. Yeah, but again, they're not yeah. big box games, and they're certainly not heavy. I... Look, Patriot's not a perfect game. There, and again, we are you know very lucky to have a, a pre-production review copy, and there's bits in it you know where it just needs a bit of a tighten up, yeah, and that's very, because very prototype it's prototyping. So aspects. hopefully, when it gets to Kickstarter, it gets its funding, and those little wrinkles can be can be fixed up. And majority of them were just art and designy type stuff, which we happily gave him feedback on, and most of it he was just like, "Yep." We understand that. That's all getting sorted out before we even sent you the copy. We knew we were going to get that Absolutely. sorted out. Absolutely, that's and, cool. And you know. And best of it, it took positive feedback like a champ. Positive and a little bit of negative feedback and took it all on board, which is exactly what we want to see. Correct. Because, you know, we want to support the Australian hobby in every possible way. Yep. That's why we're talking about Patriot on air now. But we want we want to see a great product go out to, to the public. So I really hope it does fund. I think it's got a big ask because when you are competing against... Battlestar Galactica, you are competing against Unfathomable and also Dead of Winter, as you mm -hmm. said. It's it's a high genre that, uh, of games that we're talking about here. Yep. This one, the theme is really strong. The briefing cards, you know, a la the Mythos cards, have a lot of good story to them. And I think the character abilities are, are really, really great as well. We've only played it one time because we only had the time to do that. So our story might be very different to the designers who yeah. played it a million times and other, other testers as well. In our particular game, the trader, me, found it nigh impossible to do enough cunning undercurrent of evilness 
to actually change the result of the game. And and that was, you know, potentially a balancing thing. It was potentially just luck of the draw. Who knows what it yeah, was? When we had a huge focus um, of getting, like, troops out on the streets mm. to suppress those peaceful protesters, you know, very early, which then made it difficult for the protesters to make things... Um, uh, much worse, well, again, which then puts pr- more pressure on the yeah. players. And that was the nature of, yeah. I only got, in the second half of the game, the kill the president card. So I was doing everything I could to save the president, and then pff, everything changed. And which the pure fun. pure skill of the other players at the table. Of course. No. So anyway, uh, yeah, big shout out to Anthony and the team at Wild Robot Games. Thanks so much for sending us the copy. I must say, it was the best wrapped review copy of a game we have ever ever had handwritten note on a champion exactly right so for every other designer out there please make sure that you put a little bow and maybe some chocolates and everything (laughs) in the in the box next time so look please make sure you do as leon says check out uh, wild robot games on all the socials and really keep an eye out on kickstarter because when when an australian game comes out you want to give it a good look you want to give it a a really great opportunity to be successful this is potentially that big box game that is you know hopefully a good stepping stone for Australian gaming we are going to be coming back after a song you with the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM Hi this is Ella from Ella Loves Board Games and my favourite podcast is the Diceman Cometh That was Akuo with So Long. A so Long. T- a lovely Tassie act on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh. That's the last time I'm ever going to have to say that. Mm. Oh, it's a bit emotional, but Marky boy. Leon. Yes. We've got a few more minutes left. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't believe wanna... it. We're running late. I know. I just want to give... Uh, it's not a clip show, but I just want to give a little bit of a rundown of some of our history here at Edge Radio, because we've been here a while. Yeah. Exactly... November 2013 Wowzers. was when episode one came out with me, some old guy called Trent, Yeah, on a Wednesday night at 7pm, would you believe? And then, I was actually quite surprised to find this, in July 2014 in episode 30, we had our first interview with one Charles Bishop Wow, from LFG, our amazing sponsor even to this day. So Garth and Leon, yeah. Charles was on the show before both of you. There we go. Uh, but then a little bit later in October 2014 in episode 42, Garth. Yes. You came on to fill in while I went on holiday, believe it or not. Wow. You and Trent. Episode 42. 42. And Best then ever. a few episodes later in episode 50, you came on full time. There were three of us and we did the move to Thursday night, 7 p.m. Episode 772, believe it or not, Charles came back on. <laughs> uh, back then he was talking about the things, the Sydney Toy and Game ah, Expo yes, yes, yes. and the Australian Game Awards and things like that. And then in episode 81... Um, back in August 2015, Trent said goodbye. Oh, okay. For the first time. <laughs> he thought he'd take a little bit of a rest. And then um, in the very next episode, uh, you may remember, Garth, we had a special guest, honorary dice woman, Tanya. Oh, wow. In her first of six guest episodes. That's pretty good. She was an honorary dice woman for a reason. And then a little bit after that, in fact, the very next episode, we had a young special guest by the name of... Leon. Oh, that was when he was useful and bought all those Kickstarter games. And hey? look, we yeah, no we shelves like, anymore. <laughs> we liked him so much we invited him back for episode eighty-six. Episode ninety, 
Trent came back because Garth <laughs> went away for a while. And then episode 91, Leon, well, we, we called him semi-regular then. We talked about how he was having his Metamucil. Hell of a semi. He became semi-regular. And then just two episodes later, we called him full-time. Now, that is a hell of an audition. Now, yes. over the next 30 or so episodes, we had various combinations. And then in episode 128, which was August 2016, we actually formalized a four-person rotating roster for quite some time, in fact, where we had three of the four of us or two of the four of us in the studio. Uh, we went on to episode 150, a big milestone in January 2017. And then, oh, I remember this was so good, episode 192, we didn't like some awards, so we did like a parody of awards. <laughs> we called it the half arsies because back then there was a running gag that everything we did was half-assed. Unlike so why now, not? where it's so professional. That's right. Yeah. Why not have an award that was half-assed? But amazingly, the half arsies actually wore, were the birth point of the Kanga Award, which is the Australian board gaming awards that we're still involved with. That's and right. There'll be some news about that coming soon, I'm sure. At the end of 2017... Trent left, didn't even say goodbye. We had to say goodbye on his behalf. And then we entered a period of incredible stability. That led to episode 200, which was our first two-hour episode. Oh, that was a long in one, In February hey? 2018. But the highlight, surely, was episode 224. I think it was our best ever episode. Was that the one after you left? No, that was the one where I did it all by myself. <laughs> oh, Episode 300, we had another big double episode. That was March 2020. <gasps> yeah. But then in April 2020, there was the global pandemic. We were banished from the Edge Studios to go home. Yeah, well, we, all we had to do was sit in our house and record an episode. So easy, we could have done it every single day. Absolutely. Well, that, that basically went on and off for February until February, um, where we did it on Zoom then I decided I might take a little break because I didn't want to do the Zoom thingy. But then... He couldn't make the effort to be in his own land. No, right? yeah. that's right. It's difficult stuff. I had so many better things to do. But then finally, my, back, in, back sorry, in February this year... My God, though, the special guests we had on during that yeah. pandemic time, there were some absolute crackers in there. It was great taking advantage of the fact that no one could leave their homes. Yeah, it was awesome. But then finally, in February 2022, I came back yeah. and then... We came back here into the studio. It was safe. Yay. Even though we've got a big acrylic screen between us here. And now it's September 22. It's episode 338. And this is the last time that we know of that we'll be live in the Edge Radio studios talking to you out over the airwaves. Not that you can talk back because we don't take call-ins. But, hey... It's been a wild ride. Yeah. It's been fantastic. And as you said, Garth, Edge have been so good to us. So whilst we're leaving from the live studio, we're not leaving from your ear holes on Edge Radio. We don't know when our episodes will be slotted in, but they'll be around sometime. And I'm sure we'll post on our socials when we know, and I hope Edge do as well. So look, that has been episode 338 of The Dice Men Cometh, calling in live from the Edge Radio studios. But we will be back in a fortnight's time, maybe not on Edge, but available through all of your podcast apps. Yes. Thanks so much to Edge Radio. Thanks to our sponsors. It's 99.3 FM. We better go. I've been Garth. I've been Leon. And for the final time in the studio, oh yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been a great ride. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. It's our last goodbye.
You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.